I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to The Big Football Show, the Athletics Daily Podcast dedicated to Big Ten football. I'm Nicole Auerbach, National College football writer and analyst for the Big Ten Network. And as always on Mondays, I'm joined by Scott Dockerman, our Iowa beat writer. We want to thank you, our legends and listeners, for spending some time with us and adding us into your podcasting rotation. If you like us, please subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars, just like Ari Wasserman's favorite prospects. And Scott, it was an eventful eventful week in Big Ten country. And, and you know, as much as I want to hear about how your trip to Minnesota was lovely and not cold <laughs> and snowy at all, um, I think we've really just got to get down to it. we got to start talking about Michigan. We've got to talk about Jim Harbaugh. It's really unfortunate because we're talking about a one and three team with a coach that just tends to uh, dominate the headlines and has ever since he started. Uh, we're not talking about some of the best stories of the week. But Michigan has put itself in this position of constantly being in the news cycle, whether it was the first game and then the last three. We always have to open with Harbaugh because it is the most newsworthy topic. But um, from what I saw, you tell me what you think. Right after, when I watched his press conference after the game, he looked like a defeated man. He looked like a defeated coach. And I hadn't seen that out of him before, even when he, in his days at San Francisco or, or wherever. So... Uh, this this is kind of like you can hear the chimes ringing a dead man walking. Yeah, and and I think our our colleague Austin Meek, um, you know, he wrote about this, and he was saying, you know, it, it, there's definitely been a shift. I mean, even a few days ago, you still have this optimism and this excitement about like the talent, the young players, and kind of this, you know, we're still Michigan. You know, count us out at your own risk. And there there's no way to feel that way after the next, the latest disappointing performance. I mean, it feels like each week we're finding new lows for Michigan football. The stat that flashed across the screen about the greatest halftime deficit at home since Michigan Stadium opened in 1927. I I covered the Rich Rod era. I was there for many of those first time since X, you know, first time ever in program history. The fact that that happened This year, Jim Harbaugh, who was the golden boy, the one that everyone wanted to bring back, and that we are finding new lows right now in 2020, it really says everything. And and I think, you know, you you also see the way that Michigan State is just spiraling through its season, and that is the team that beat Michigan. There's just, there's no way to feel anything optimistic about the state of the program right now and it feels like a foregone conclusion that this is the end but you know it, there you got to figure out how to orchestrate that yeah and 
You know, you thought going into this game, Wisconsin hadn't played in two weeks. Michigan's at home. It's in prime time. Uh, this is a chance for Michigan to kind of saddle up and, and go to war and, and play hard and, and do all, everything it needs to do against uh, Wisconsin and earn some of that respect back. But instead, it went the other way. I think there was it was might have been the fourth touchdown in the first certainly the first half, maybe the first quarter even, uh, where it looked like one of those plays where it's at the end of the game and the only re- way you know you can get a chance to win is to let them score a touchdown. And that's kind of exactly the way it felt. I mean, this is the, it's their first one of three starts since 1967. And in the last two years combined against Wisconsin, they've allowed 700 rushing yards and 10 rushing touchdowns. Um, I've, I've told people before that, you know, when, when people start to look at Michigan as Michigan and Wisconsin as some sort of lesser tier tower power, I, I'm like, just switch the helmets. This is exactly Michigan is, well, Wisconsin is what Michigan was 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And at this point, Michigan, I mean, they, they switched quarterbacks. Joe Milton went down. Cade McNamara came in. Um, it was it was a beatdown, an epic beatdown, 49 to 11. And it really wasn't even that close. I mean, if you would have played two more quarters, it would have been, you know, 81 to 11. It was just, yeah. it was just massive. I, there, there was a point where it was 28 nothing, and you're just thinking to yourself, they have to finish this game somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's just remarkable. And, and I've honestly, you know, I, I do think we'll get into Penn State and Nebraska, and, and they did show some fight in that second half and, and nearly came back and won the game. Um, but it's so jarring to see Michigan play this way. Like to your point where if the game had just extended, it's not like they were going to do more. Um, and in, in a lot of portions of the season, Penn state feels that way. Um, and it's, it's just jarring to see these traditional powers flailing like this. And to your point, if they were wearing different uniforms, it, it wouldn't feel, um, you know, as, as, as impactful as it does. But I, I just think, you know, and, and you know, you're going to hear this on a zillion podcasts this week, including this one later in the week. But the Harbaugh question is just going to be this cloud over college football for the rest of the way until it is dealt with. And, you know, you, you, you'll get more details about, you know, the contract supposed to be up next year. If you don't extend that, that's basically, you know, you, you can't recruit to that. Do you leave? Is there a parachute waiting in the NFL? I mean, all of these questions, where does Michigan go? What type of coach does does Michigan hire next? Can you get a guy like Matt Campbell? I mean, all of those things are going to be the dominant storylines of the rest of the season, as much as we're going to be excited about, you know, emerging teams, Indiana, our favorite, you know, just a great positive story on the season this year. Um, that is just going to be the cloud that hangs over all of it. And, and, you know, we'll cover it. Um, you'll, you'll get a lot of different perspectives, but it's just really not going to go away until, until the Harbaugh era ends at Michigan, which it it certainly feels like that is going to happen. But I I do want to switch gears into those positive stories and stuff that we do love talking about are Indiana Hoosiers. Scott, Mm -hmm. this team is just a total delight to cover and to watch. And, isn't it kind of crazy to think about heading into this year that the goal was to beat, you know, one of these traditional Big Ten East powers? <laughs> now they're just like cruising to victory over the Michigans and Michigan States in the conference. 
everything's set up perfectly for them. I mean, those teams are down, they're up, but that said, you've got to go out and do it. And you've, you know, these are the traditional slip up games. That's why the, the spread was only seven going into this game against Michigan state, a team I watched that played about as well as Michigan did last night. And they took care of business. They had a, a shutout, a first shutout in, since, uh, you know, 1983. They're 4-0 for the first time since 87, which is spanning beyond your lifetime and certainly well into mine. <laughs> you know, but this was just, uh, this is a fun story. This is the the story of the year. We can obviously debate coach of the year because I have another candidate ahead of Tom Allen. But, but I think this has just been a remarkable storyline for the team that was the losingest program in the, you know, in the last, well, forever, really in big 10 football, forever. at least yeah. since Northwestern's rise in the mid nineties. So to, to do what they were able to do and do it consistently and then do it on defense as well. I think it really shows what Tom Allen can do. And it sets up one of the, the great showdowns, uh, unlikely showdowns of 2020. Yeah. I mean, who, Okay, actually, I probably would have had Indiana Ohio State circle just as a potential like trip up game for Ohio State, not the game of the the season. And next week, you've also got Northwestern Wisconsin, which is you know maybe the game of the season in the West. It, it's it's these are two games that I think we're all super excited for that we would not have predicted heading into the season. And and I think that it, it's it's like what you're saying about how everything lined up for Indiana. It's it all is coming together and kind of peaking at the same time, both sides of the ball. And you have Michael Penix Jr. stay healthy because you saw last year the way that Tom Allen always went back to him. And Peyton Ramsey stayed, and, and he saved them. He, he's the reason they won some of those games late in the year. Um, he didn't transfer out immediately after losing the job. But there was a reason Tom Allen kept going back to Michael Penix Jr. And we're seeing that. You're seeing that from the the, the receiving core. You're seeing it defensively. It's all – everything is sort of aligning um, because it's not fluky. You know, it, it's it's just like this is a good team, and, and they're good on both sides of the ball. And I think it's remarkable now that they are – clearly the superior team on the field in these last couple weeks. And there's no question about it from start to finish. Um, and so I, I do think, you know, we, we enjoy them. They're, they're not going anywhere. I mean, I think even if, you know, they, they lose to Ohio state, they're not going to be favored in that game. Obviously that is a different tier of challenge than the ones that they have overcome so far this season. Um, it just feels like this is, just a foundation like it's just so solid that it's not a flash in the pan thing and it's not something that you know it's just going to disappear or you know if they if they lose a game it's just going to steamroll or snowball into you know a disaster again everybody at indiana and everybody in big 10 country needs to embrace this enjoy this while it lasts i mean their point differential is plus 58 you know and they've beaten michigan Michigan State, Penn State, programs that were on a higher plane than they are. And they were able to do it um, in different ways uh, and look good doing it and doing it on both sides of the ball. That said, they do have a really tough second half of their schedule based on the way it looks. And that's not just including at Ohio State, which you look at it, you go, Ugh. but then they got baby Tua at home. That that could be, baby a, Tua. <laughs> that, could be a, that could be a shootout. They go they go to Badgerland. Yeah, and, and there's some cheddar there that they're going to have some problems with uh, digesting, and then finally they wrap up with their big rival, uh, Purdue, which you know Purdue can can, can hang. Uh, 
So I think all of those games are challenges, whether they go 4-0 and and then 0-4 or 6-2 and or something in the middle. I, I think this has been a really successful year for Tom Allen. He's gotten – he's shown that Indiana is capable of mm-hmm. competing, and that's something that we I hadn't seen since Bill Mallory was there in the mid-'90s or mid yeah, in the mid '90s, because this is a program now that's capable of contending. Can he take it to the next level? Well, he has so far. Now it's just a matter of maintaining it, and that's going to be much more difficult than than a one year flash. Yeah. So I wanted to um, basically, you didn't have any say in this, and I wanted to add a new segment that we're going to do each week, <laughs> at least for the rest of the season. And I want to call it the LEO meter because every time you watch an Indiana football game or talk to Tom Allen. You hear about Elio, love each other, and it's it's so clear. I mean, these these guys are constantly like, again, just like Tom Allen's constantly tackling some of his own players and celebrating things. So like, there's a lot of joy in this program, a lot of love. We are going to each week decide decide on this meter one to ten how much we personally love Tom Allen this week, ten being the most. Where are you? on the LEO meter this week, Scott. Oh man, <laughs> the LEO meter. I'm going to go nine, and, <laughs> which just means that I almost could love him to pieces, but he's right up there for me. Now it's, it's been great watching him because a couple of years ago, I kind of thought, okay, he's a stopgap head coach. Like they've always seemed to have had what's next, you know, cause he replaced Kevin Wilson kind of in the late stages of the problems that was going on there, but he's been great. He's been, you know, he's shown a lot of love, which is a program that desperately needed it after, you know, the Kevin Wilson era. And then I think also, you know, he's brought everybody together and he's recruiting at a pretty good level in state of Indiana, which a lot of teams were able to go in and rob some guys. So I think he's done a fabulous job. And then, yes, it was, it was a little bit jarring and and dusty in there when you saw when his son was laid out on the field. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, that's where I'm going to go 9.5 because, you know, we've seen how affectionate he is with with all of his players and, and how much they all love him. But when his when his son, you know, went down with an injury and you saw like 15 to 20 players rush out there and then you saw Tom and 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 just trying to comfort his son. I mean, it was just it was again, it was just this reminder of why he is so special and and why, you know, it took a special guy to do what he's doing um, and and the genuine care. And I, I just thought it was so telling that so many players rushed out there, you know, and. It, 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 you know, again, it's it, this is I think your point is is really valid that after the Kevin Wilson style of coaching, th- they needed this. They did. I mean, they they had a dynamic offense and they looked different than they did before with Bill Lynch and, and just not it was it was really a stale and, and bad program. I mean, it really was. And 
Kevin elevated them to one level, but they've been able to kind of maintain that offensively and switch to the defense and then also come together as a unit. And that's something that's, it is special and it's fun to watch because this isn't pro football. This is college football. These are borderline kids. Yes, they're legally adults, but they are kids, especially because I have two in college. I, they're still kids to me. <laughs> uh, so I, I do think this has been really fun to watch. And, and at a place like Indiana, again, they, you know, anywhere else, it wouldn't feel like this, but just Indiana in the, the, the football isn't, has never been number one there. Still probably isn't, but it's close now. And uh, they do play a team that they haven't had really any success on the field, but they've made some close games with, with Ohio yeah. state over the years. And it's been very competitive. And, and this is one of those games where um, I, Ohio state understands who they're playing, but this is, you know, it is, it's got some rivalry connotations to it. It's just not, it's kind of hammer nail, but it still matters. Yeah. I mean, I would say the one thing to tell Ohio state is don't turn the ball over mm-hmm. against them. They are going to score a touchdown immediately, mm-hmm. um, which, which happened repeatedly against Michigan state. And, and that gets us into our next topic. Uh, one of the themes of the weekend was that it was the week of the backup quarterback. We saw a lot of quarterback changes, um, out of necessity um, and and needing a spark, that game was one of them. You had Michigan State make the coaching uh, the quarterback change to Peyton Thorn for Rocky Lombardi. Um, Scott, what what do you make of that? I mean, we're we're basically at the midseason mark for for the Big Ten regular season. Is it alarming that you are seeing at various places? You're seeing at Penn State, you're seeing Michigan, Nebraska. Michigan State and Illinois, again, also out of necessity due to some COVID issues, had to start their fourth quarterback of the season. Should we be concerned that people have not figured out who the best quarterback is to give them a chance in these games? No, not at all. I mean, this is this is the result of not having a spring for most of these teams and not having a summer, not having great scrimmages to kind of figure things out, to see where things are. I, I look at this as, uh, I, I call this a Bob Seger kind of weekend. <laughs> and that's because the song Turn the Page, you've seen four different teams turn the page to a different backup. And I wouldn't be surprised if more are coming. I mean, we looked at, yeah, Michigan State, Peyton Thorne for Rocky Lombardi. Rocky looked rocky uh, at Iowa a couple weeks ago. Have, I mean, you been, have you been thinking about that all morning? Yeah, maybe because I watched that commercial with Dolph Lundgren <laughs> where he crushes the bottle and things could get a little rocky. <laughs> no, he's, you know, three interceptions, a pick six, looked really, really bad, and, and it didn't improve against Indiana. We saw what happened with Michigan, and, and that one's kind of a – that one's probably as surprising as any of them, just simply because Joe Milton looked so good against the the Gophers, and then looked is looked so bad against everybody else. Uh, Sean Clifford, a little bit of that too. Will Levis coming in. Um, Clifford has been trending downward, but you know he was pretty good last year. So I was, and they were a good team as well. So that kind of mattered. The Nebraska one's not surprising to me, simply because in watching Adrian Martinez last year, he was a kind of inconsistent as a passer, a very dynamic runner. I think he should be a running back. I thought that last year. And Luke McCaffrey, they needed a spark. He's the future there. So I, I think that's, that's uh, you know, what we were probably likely to see. And then, of course, Illinois um, with uh, COVID wiping them out, <laughs> they had to do that. So, yeah, it's the weekend of the backup quarterback. It's because we didn't see any, you know, we didn't see these competitions or these, uh, you know, practices in the spring or, or in the summer and not really until heck they didn't even get padded practices till September 30th. So 
uh, gets live competition, they were really backed down. And, and I would say that there are a couple other teams that uh, at least one, one I cover that needs to really strongly consider it. I, I think, I think you're right that the lack of spring and fall camp um, absolutely plays into it. But to me, it's really it's the Nebraska question, because that's the thing where, you know, I think this has been obvious for a few weeks now that Luke McCaffrey should be starting and that he does provide something to this offense that um, Adrian Martinez wasn't. So that's when where, you know, if you have more of an offseason, do you get to that point sooner? The other ones, I don't think you would have ever thought that Sean Clifford's job was you know, up in the air, right? Like his regression is one of the more surprising things that we've seen this season. Um, And, and maybe Michigan state, maybe you would have actually like, you know, quarterback competition and fight. They didn't name, you know, the starting quarterback until, until their opener. So, you know, I, I do think there's a little bit of that some places, but I just think it it speaks to, yes, the craziness of this season and preparation. Um, and also just kind of like an upside down Big Ten season. I do think that these are a lot of programs that we're not used to seeing kind of hit a panic button in the middle of the season, but they need to. I mean, Penn State is 0-4. They are the last winless team in the Big Ten. And I don't think even considering opt-outs, even considering what happened to their running back room, I don't think anyone could have seen this coming. And and I think it's, yes, will Will Levis provided a spark. They almost came back and beat Nebraska. Maybe that carries over. Maybe that becomes a thing coming out of this game. But they had been like lifeless for like six straight quarters. I was talking about this. It's almost like, and again, Will Levis could provide a spark that that makes this different. But it felt like it was a team that decided to opt out of the season, but just was going through the motions of playing the games. And, and maybe that will turn around. But that's what's been so crazy because it's just a totally different team than they were in the first two games of the year where they were trying. This is this is what's difficult about the Big Ten, and you look at it holistically a little bit, that if this situation would have taken place 15 years ago, um, teams wouldn't feel this intense pressure at midseason. It's because of the divisional structure. Because mm. when you feel like you're out of the divisional race entirely, it's just – throw up your arms. And and with Penn State, they lost a, you know, and this was, this happens all the time in the NFL that your schedule dictates a lot of times your record. Uh, playing Indiana, if they would have played Michigan State in the opener instead of Indiana, they might have won that game, felt a little different. Okay, you lose to Ohio State, but you still have something to play for. But when you lose that heartbreaker at the very beginning, and then you cup, and then you've, oh, by the way, you got to go play the best team in the league and maybe in the country, and you lose, you play hard, but you lose. Then the whole season collapses on you. You know, everything goes, okay, what do we have to play for now? And if you're Penn State, your your sole goal this year, if it's not to beat Ohio State, it's to get to the playoff. And, and if you, you have to do that, you have to beat everybody. And so if you're already no playoff, no chance, no division title, what's at stake? And then you have Journey Brown go out, Noah Kane, Micah Parsons didn't play, uh, bad quarterback play. The next thing you know, you're like, uh all right. Um, what now? And I think, you know, whether it's, and you're going to see some teams really surge that are kind of out of divisional competition. Whereas again, 10, 12 years ago, they might've been very competitive for, if not winning the league, but certainly being in the top one or two. And now they don't really have a chance to be in the championship game. 
Well, that's a good point. And, you know, um, I'm going to just tuck it away for when I go on my rants about why there shouldn't be divisions and you should do the top two teams in the league. Um, but uh, but also, I, I think another difference, which is kind of, you know, creating this this pressure cooker this year is no non-conference games. Mm-hmm. You know, y- y- you wouldn't be over at this yeah. point in the year if you have three non-conference games. I mean, even if you have one marquee one, um, you're, you're going to bake in a couple of wins. So, yeah, you could have records of, you know, they haven't been 0-4 in the Big Ten since X day. But it feels totally different to, to be winless on the season at this point. And then the calendar's weird, right? So it's already mid-November and you haven't won a game, right? And it's yeah. like, well, the season started late. But, like, it, there's a lot of things that, that I think just kind of just add to the stress of, of this season. And we're seeing it at Penn State. You're seeing it at Michigan. You're seeing it at these places um, that we're not used to seeing it. We're used to grumbling, you know, a Penn State program, grumbling about winning 10 games instead of 11. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's exactly right. And, yes, all of these teams would have would have had their MAC opponents, their G5 opponents, potentially even a F- FCS opponent, to work on those issues of – continuity offensive line play hey the quarterback looks good or hey the quarterback's <laughs> struggling maybe we need to look at some things here that's kind of what the month of September is everybody has their marquee non-conference game even with a nine-game schedule whether it's an in-state rival or it's a or it's a national game or even against a, a high-level G5 team like a Cincinnati or something there's always that game to work on something and you build towards the Big Ten season and this year you're just jumping right into the deep end and and for a lot of people, the deep end isn't as warm as it used to be. <laughs> so you're cold immediately. And if you're 0-2 and you start, even though if you lose by five total points, your season could be over. Or if you're Penn State and you lose because Michael Penix hit the pylon by a, a fraction of an inch, you're the, it's a difference between 1-0 and 0-1. And, and, and it's a, and really the trajectory of both seasons went in different directions based on that one review that couldn't be overturned. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So let, let's shift gears to, to those teams that, that jumped into the deep end. It was cold, and they are thriving. Um, that would be Northwestern, for mm-hmm. one. They are 4-0. and um, They are off to a start and, and hitting benchmarks defensively that we haven't seen since Pat Fitzgerald was a player. Um, and, and that's really remarkable for, for this program. Sets up the monster game next weekend against Wisconsin. You're covering an Iowa team that is now on a little bit of a, a little bit of a streak, two wins in a row. Um, took care of business against a not very good Minnesota team on on Friday night. The West is getting more interesting too. Um, and and you know I wrote about Northwestern. I I was you know asking questions to Fitz after this game. It feels like he knows that they're capable of having a special season, but he's trying really hard not to not to jump to any conclusions yet. You know, he, he, he was saying, okay, we are four chapters in, we have four to go, but we're on pace to do something, you know, special, something outstanding. And so 
to me, obviously, you know, Wisconsin's the standard bearer for this division, but this is a program that knows what it takes to actually win the West. And they just did it a few years ago. They changed offense coordinator, brought in Indiana transfer, Peyton Ramsey. This is an offense that now, as you've seen up close and personal, they can come back in a game, which we haven't seen that in a few years. <laughs> um, they can hold off teams by, you know, having longer drives. Like they won the time of possession battle significantly um, against Purdue this weekend. They ran the ball all over the place against Maryland. I mean, like they, they can win in different games. And plus this defense is just really, really good at all different, at all levels. What do you make of Northwestern's 4-0 start? What do you make of Iowa's kind of resurgence the last couple of weeks? And then Wisconsin just demolishing Michigan. They look pretty good too. I mean, the, the West is, you know, as as great as the Indiana storyline is and as excited as we are, it's still Ohio State and everybody else out East. The West, what do you make of the West? Honestly, I think those three teams may be the two, three, and four in the league. I think by the end of the year, we might see that. Northwestern, it's a special season. And I think only because it has some recency in the big 10 championship game uh, that we're not looking at them in the same, you know, uh, floral glasses that we do with Indiana in some ways. Uh, they were three and nine last year and one and eight in the big 10 and they're four and oh at each now. I mean, last year they scored 114 points in big 10 play nine big 10 games. They've scored 112 now. So their offense is completely different than last. Last year was pathetic. I mean, last year they couldn't they couldn't get past the fifty in most games that I saw, and um, so they also allowed last year two hundred forty six points. This year they're at fifty six. So they've their defense was good. It's taken it to a different level, and part of it to me the the, the two linebackers make a huge chunk of that. Patty Fisher and Blake Gallagher. They are elite. They've got a good defensive line. They've got a really solid secondary. They play solid football. And I think anybody that's watched the West uh, over the last six years since the inception of it understands you've got to play physical line of scrimmage football to give yourself a chance to compete in that division. Three teams have got it that way. Wisconsin, Iowa, and Northwestern. Uh, a couple other teams, you know, Purdue is trying to do it differently. Um, bless their heart. I hope they, they can make it happen. Um, they've got the players or one of them was supposed to be there that maybe that changes things. If Rondale Moore is there, maybe they do have an opportunity to do it. Um, you know, Minnesota, we came close. They do believe in the line of scrimmage football, but, uh, they, they conveniently or, or whatever forgot to, to bring some defensive line of scrimmage people. And then finally, Illinois is just not there. Um, and Nebraska is still playing, I'm still skeptical in Nebraska, but that said, Northwestern, Wisconsin, and Iowa are three teams that are surging. They are playing really good football. I think this game is probably going to determine the West Division champion. I can't see any scenario, especially with the Wisconsin's lack of games, <laughs> playing only two right. games instead of four, um, that if you're in Iowa and you just barely lost your first two games, one by four points on the road, one by one point at home to Northwestern, where you're going, you know, even if they finish six and two, they're not going to Indy for this game. So it's really comes down to what's going on happen this week. And I think it's, I like Wisconsin. I think Wisconsin's a better team than Northwestern, but that said, Northwestern will not quit and it will be a fight because here's, here's a, a really interesting stat since 2000, the series is seven and seven. And Wisconsin's five and one at home against the Badgers in the last 20 years. 
And the only loss was when the Badgers were number eight in the country in 2016, and that was 21 to seven in a really hard fought game. So uh, Evanston has been a house of horrors for, <laughs> for the Badgers, and this could be a, a, a mighty challenge for them. Okay, well, how about this, too, for another reason that this is not going to be a uh, Michigan-Wisconsin 2.0 game that you really don't need to watch. Mm. Here is an insane stat that um, I think tells you a lot about it. It's sort of one of those where it's like the eye test. You think something about a program and a team, and then you find a stat that matches it perfectly. So since Pat Fitzgerald took over in 2006, Northwestern has won 48 one possession games, which ties Navy for the most in the football bowl subdivision. So yes, when you watch a Northwestern game, no one ever seems to pull away. It feels that way. It also is that way. And and this is a team that can win those types of games. Um, so I think it's going to be really fascinating. Obviously, Wisconsin's offense with Graham Mertz is, you know, a bit of a juggernaut, but they're going to have a lot more resistance with this Northwestern defense, particularly the linebackers, the secondary. Um, it's going to be a challenge and, and kind of strength against strength, which which I'm excited for. But before we go, Scott, we got to talk about the quote of the weekend. Uh, okay. How? Okay, so so walk me through the setup here because I was watching the game. And obviously you notice that like there's just this parade of timeouts at the end of the Iowa Minnesota game. And you're like, what is going on? This is so weird. Why are we dragging this out? And then you get the most amazing quote in the post game from Kirk. I figured we'd take Floyd with us and leave the timeouts here. Amazing. First of all, like <laughs> mic drop moment from someone we don't normally get quotes like that from. But what the heck happened? Like why why was there animosity all of a sudden in this game? Well, there has been for a century, and it just continues. Okay, but but like in that <laughs> no, moment, yes, like in a right. blowout, why why did that? Why was that a thing? Well, there's a room full of it between the two coaching staffs. First of all, recruiting related. I won't get into all of that. However, um, when at the last series of the game, Nor, uh, Minnesota kept in all of its regulars: Mo Ibra- Mo Ibrahim. Rashad Bateman, Tanner Morgan in a 35 to nothing game. Iowa throws out a lot of true freshmen out there playing. And Minnesota's going down the field, calls a timeout, and, and then all of a sudden gets to the four yard line with 19 seconds left, then calls the timeout in a 35 to nothing game. And you could just see, I, I looked over and Kirk's wearing his mask, and I could see the mouth. Are you blanking kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> and um, at that point, Pettiness ensues, which is a hallmark of this series. I can't even stress that enough. And so he calls three straight timeouts just to say, hey, you know what? You're going to do this at the end of the game with your starters in there, with your superstars in there. Not even, you know, why would we leave a guy in there that long? I don't know. I mean, you know, and then, you know, so he just decided – all right, we're going to call the timeouts. And so after the game, we're, you know, we're asking him about it. And I asked a couple of players and, and one of them just said, uh, he goes, uh, he was a little surprised and he just looked over. He goes, okay, coach, you do you. <laughs> and another one said, I'm from Georgia. I was cold. I wanted to go to the locker room, but then they kept calling the timeouts. Well, Kirk just said, uh, you know, well, they called their timeouts to see what was going on. And then he's like, I figured we'd take Floyd with us and leave the timeouts here. So sixth straight year, that's never happened for Iowa over Minnesota. And uh, that's, uh, and then there are t-shirts already being printed for that. Of course, of course, of course there are. That is like the, the, uh, like happens every time. I mean, there were Michael Penix Jr. The reach Mm t-shirts. 
T-shirts will be printed when when something amazing and very college football happens. Um, I loved it. I loved it. I, again, was extremely confused by the parade of timeouts. This makes a lot more sense. And also, that, that's, that's quite... Those are great lengths to go through just to avoid a shutout in a pandemic to keep your starters in. So, you know, honestly, I, I understand the reaction <laughs> with the it mask was, from Kirk. It was t- 20 degrees out there and windy and there's oh, snow everywhere. I mean, all insane. the seats had covered snow and in, in TCF and it's like, yeah, just to try to avoid a shutout. Well, I can understand wanting to avoid the shutout. But at the, some, at the same time, do you really need Rashad Bateman in there? Do you really need Mo Ibrahim in there? What happens if somebody hits him, even hits him late? Yeah. You know, and this is the second year in a row. PJ Flex got a, uh, you know, personal foul in, against Iowa for doing something, and so <laughs> this is just well, the rivalry is alive and well. That is one of the main takeaways from this. Um, before we go, also shout out to Illinois. They got their first Big Ten win, outlasting Rutgers. Um, again, Penn State is now the only winless Big Ten team. Um, so I think that'll do it for us, Scott. I feel like we uh, we did a whip around and um, we, we did get to hear eventually about how cold and snowy it was in Minnesota. So I'm hoping you're defrosted by now. I am. I didn't have to go outside and, and watch the pig uh, get get <laughs> ham hocked on the sideline. So uh, no, no cold for me just for the players. It was great. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're halfway through the regular season. It's hard to believe that it's uh, this late and this early. So, <laughs> yeah, time is time is moving very fast fast and very slow at the same time. Um, That'll do it for us. Um, Thank you for listening. As always, Scott and I are here every Monday recapping Big Ten football in the weekend that was. Don't forget to listen tomorrow. Tuesday, it's Bill Landis and Audrey Snyder. They break down the Big Ten East. I wonder whatever will they talk about. Thanks for listening, um, and we will talk to you next week. (laughs) 